Hi, I'm Beverly, and welcome to the Make Fashion Better podcast. During this series, I'll be discussing the tips, tricks, and lessons learned after over 15 years in the luxury fashion industry, and how you can implement these in your own business to build a profitable, scalable, and most importantly, value-driven brand that puts people and planet at the forefront. You can join me as I learn more about the challenges surrounding sustainability and ethics in our industry, and what we can all do to take more responsibility for the part we play. So, let's get stuck in. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Um, I hope you are doing well today. I thought I would kick off this series by talking about one of the most fundamental parts of your PLM, so that being your product lifecycle management. It's an area that I've so I've talked to quite a few business owners about recently. I've done a few projects on and it is quite a meaty one, really important one. And that area is product development. So what I'm going to talk to you about today is firstly, what product development actually is, what that kind of term contains, what the different stages of product development are and a few of the considerations that you might want to make whilst you're going through it. And then also why product development is so important and why it's an area that you should really be mindful of and try and make sure that you're not rushing through, which I understand is like a real temptation because, you know, we all want to get our product to market, don't we, as quickly as possible. But product development is a really key part of of making your product and your brand really, really successful. So... Let's start by talking a little bit about what product development actually is. So when I look at product development within a fashion brand, I would say it starts from pretty much from design. Depending on how your company is structured, who is doing your designing, you may term designing to be part of it or not because different designers work in different ways. So some work from like a concept where they create their designs and at that point it's handed over to people who will then develop it as a product. Some other people use design as part of the product development process in terms of planning out what it is that they're doing and ensuring that there is that connection to the customer and to the brand. And also, and that sort of moves into range planning, which I would say is definitely part of product development where you are putting all of those pieces together, kind of working out what your entire collection looks like. So from designing and range planning through to creating patterns, creating toiles, the sampling process, fitting those samples, and everything literally up to the point that you are ready to photograph, sell, and produce your product. So anything else that you do within that time would all be part of product development. And the the purpose of product development is really for you to take some time to check that you're producing the right kind of products for your customer and also that they are of good quality, that they do what your customer will expect them to do, that they will appeal to that customer and that you've tested everything to make sure that it is the right fit and it's reflective of your brand in terms of ethos. So that sort of runs into quality. You know, if, if a part of your 
your brand and your mission is to provide really good quality, long lasting goods, that is part of your product development process, finding the right fabrics, the right manufacturers, the right techniques to build something that really serves your purpose as a brand. And also in terms of the fit of your garments, you know, making sure that you have tested and everything fits as well as it can so that it gives your customer the best experience of owning goods from your company. And those sort of things lead into the longevity of your brand. So to sort of explain a little bit what I mean by that, if you have a really good rigorous fit process as part of your product development, and you have standards that you're working towards, then you can make sure that season after season you can create goods that will appeal to your customer and they know that they can come back season after season and buy good quality products and know how they're going to fit. So it's a part of gaining trust from your customer base and obviously that repeat custom that, you know, if you're working within ready to wear you absolutely want to build and obviously you, you will know that I work a lot in the bridal industry that repeat custom isn't the same thing in the bridal industry but what it means if you produce a garment which is really good quality does what the customer wants it to do fits really nicely then you theoretically will get a lot more in terms of recommendation to friends or peers so that you're Repeat custom is rather like recommended custom, I guess. So you're getting other people off the back of the fact that you've done a really good job with your product. So that is like a rough summary of what product development is and a little bit, I guess, about why it's so important. So I thought what we would do next is just talk through those main stages of product development, what it means and why each of them is so important. So the first, as I said, you could kind of roughly term it as being sort of designing and range planning. And as I said, some people consider the design process really separate, but range planning is a really important part of product development because it's your chance to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So you can look at all of the different items that you're producing and see if it is working in a really cohesive and commercially viable collection. So say you're working in ready-to-wear, you'd be able to look at it and see if you've managed to literally build a wardrobe for your customer that's a really good way to look at it is it a capsule wardrobe that your customer could walk in and buy the lot and that's all they would need to wear so you have tops that will go with your trousers and skirts and things that you're producing so you're creating whole outfits and dresses that appeal to that same kind of customer and that within whatever the bounds of your brand are in terms of what products you create that you are covering all the bases for your target customer So moving to talk a little bit more about bridal, obviously that's a little bit different because you are producing outfits for a wedding. In most cases, most of those will be dresses. You potentially will also have separate, so skirts and tops and some trousers potentially and other layering pieces. So it's still looking at it in that range of different kind of garments, but also you're much more limited in terms of what you're producing. Your colour palette will you know, again, in most cases, probably be quite limited. But what you need to do is look at your target customer at your niche. So perhaps, let's take an example, you are a boho-inspired bridal brand. So all of your pieces will have that commonality of style. However, to make it a commercially viable collection that people want to buy into, especially if you're selling B2B to a wholesale stockist, for instance, and you need them to buy in at a minimum to a certain number of styles, 
you need to look at creating enough variety within your collection that it is commercially viable. So you need to look at different necklines, different lengths, different sleeve options, all of these things that will create a, a really cohesive range but still offer enough variety that your different kind of customers within your target market are catered to. So that's why range planning is a really important stage to make sure that you've got that balance within your collection that you need. And then moving on from there, you'll probably go into pattern making. Now, the reason why having a great range plan is so important is because at this stage you can take that to a pattern cutter. So perhaps you have one in-house or perhaps you are using freelance pattern cutters The really good thing about having a range plan that you can present to them is that you can give them that really cohesive view of what it is you're trying to achieve. So they will get a much better sense of your aesthetic and what you want the collection as a whole to look at. And it will help them interpret those designs into patterns in a much more well-considered way. The other really, really good thing about getting that range plan done before you move into pattern making is that you potentially could save yourself a bit of time and money here in that you will be able to batch process a little bit. So when it comes to the fit of your collection, you want that to be quite consistent. So being able to give your pattern cutters several designs that they can work on all at the same time means that they can create the first pattern, get the fit as you'd like it, and they can then use that base pattern to start other patterns so that you get the consistency of fit across all of them. And it should speed up that process a bit. And then once you have your patterns made, you're likely then to move on to the twirling stage. Now, twirling is a bit of a funny one. As brands kind of develop and get more established and understand more about their fit, and their garments and the kind of fabrications they use. Twirling can be a stage, to be honest, that you can miss out to a degree if you have that confidence of having previously created product that you're happy with. Doing a twirl is great if you were starting again, like with a brand new shape, if it's something that you've not done before, or if it's your first collection, I would say absolutely 100% twirl as much as you can. This is your first stage to get a visual 3D representation of the garment that you want to produce. So it's a really important one to ensure you don't miss out. You're moving your design from paper into reality. And from there, you can really easily fit that shape and get a better idea and your design may change, it may develop. And that is all part of that development process. You may find during the twirling process that something that you've drawn on paper actually doesn't really work very well in terms of the ability of your customer to be able to move in it you know perhaps it's it's too restrictive or there's not enough coverage in a certain area those kind of things so it's a really key stage to to iron out all of the potential problems that you'd see before you get to the point of your main sampling the next stage i think links in really well to this is your fabric and trim sourcing when this actually comes in can depend on what kind of designer you are basically so i've worked with two main different kinds of designers. One who are sort of sketch designers, so they will sit down and start sketching, they will have their inspiration and their concept and they will sketch and create it on paper and it will then go to pattern stage and twirling stage and they'll be looking at the fabrics that work for that design. Then the other kind of designer is someone that goes fabric first, so they would look 
uh, fabrics that they absolutely love and then that will influence the designs that they put into the collection. The other thing to say at this point is that there is perhaps an argument from a sustainability point of view to be a fabric first designer and to look at what is out there that you can use. So if this is something that you really care about for your brand, if having sustainable fabrics, and by that I mean fabrics which are much less damaging to the environment, then potentially you want to be looking for fabrics that you are happy to use because actually it's, you know, it can be very, very difficult to find those and then use that to influence your designs and the pieces that you're putting out as part of your collection. So those are the two main ways that you might work as a designer when it comes to fabric and trim sourcing. Obviously, if you are at your twirling stage and you've understood a little bit more about how your product is actually going to work on the body, you can then move forward with looking for the fabrics that will give you the right sort of feel, the right weight, the right handle to make that garment work. The other thing to really think about as part of your critical path within product development is allowing enough time, A, for that sourcing process of actually finding those fabrics in the first place, but also to make sure that you've got the lead times for getting the fabrics in to do your sampling and then obviously moving on into production. If you find a fabric and you haven't allowed very much time in order to be able to buy that in to do your sampling, the temptation potentially will be to create that sample in a different fabric so that you've got something, so that you've made it, so that you've continued your sampling without falling behind. And that's absolutely fine, but there are implications, obviously, to creating samples in the wrong fabrics. One, it is more wasteful because what it potentially might mean is you then need to resample in the correct fabric. So if you've got your pattern bang on and you sample in the wrong fabric and you've got that sample, you have to do something with it, right? Otherwise, it's just waste. So if you are able to have the right fabrics in so that you can sample directly in them, it means potentially you've got a cost saving there and also that you've got less waste coming out of your business because you're going straight to the correct fabric. So that's a really important thing to try and factor in. There is also the other implication of potentially having to show customers goods that are in the wrong fabric. And if it turns out that the, the final fabric that you choose has a different handle, is a slightly different weight, might fall differently, that can have an impact on your reputation in terms of what your customer thinks about your product because it may be that what they receive looks quite different to what they were expecting. So again, that's just something else to keep in mind. The other thing when you are looking at sourcing your fabrics and trims, especially if you work in the bridal industry or if you are creating a kind of sustainable collection where you want to be able to continue to supply particular garments on a longer term basis rather than doing seasonal designs and seasonal production that you're constantly turning over. So if you're working in a more slower fashion area or in the bridal industry where if you have a popular design you might make that on a made-to-order basis for you know years potentially you need to think about the longevity of that fabric supply so when you're sourcing something you need to speak to the manufacturer the supplier of that fabric and check whether they would expect it to stay as part of their main collection and ensure that it's not seasonal not something that they're looking to run down and remove from their collection just so that you can make sure that you have some robustness in your supply chain 
and that you're able to continue to make that garment because obviously when it comes to replacing things further down the line there are cost implications around having to replace samples for people if that's the kind of structure that you work on reshooting things if the fabric's significantly different that kind of stuff so that's something else to keep in mind when you were doing your sourcing so moving on the next section that I wanted to talk about was your sampling and your tech packs so obviously once you've done your toile you've got your fabrics in place that you're happy with you've refitted your pattern off the back of your twirling and everything and you're ready to go to sampling the next step is to make sure that you've got all of your technical information all together all ready to go so this is a common thing for people to kind of skip over because you know you're probably short on time and you're just keen right to get things sampled so you send a pattern and you send some fabrics and you give them a few notes and you hope that your sampling house or your manufacturer can pop that garment together for you however having a good sturdy and well filled out tech pack is really helpful at sampling stage Basically, this is going to give a technical specification to your manufacturer, your sampling house, as how you would like that garment to be made. Now, my belief is that sampling stage, that your manufacturer will have input in the best ways to produce a garment. And I wouldn't expect you, like as a product developer or a designer, an owner-founder, whatever angle you're coming at this from, I wouldn't expect you to know exactly every single finishing process at this stage. And you would hope that your relationship with your manufacturer means that they would be able to advise you on those things. However, there are particular things that you need to think about so that they've got a basis to work from and they can come back to you and give you a bit of a counter offer if they think a different finish is gonna work. So things like, for instance, if you're producing a bridal dress, do you want the hems bagged out together? Do you want the layers of the skirts to be finished completely separately? How do you want necklines finished? What are the um, finishes on the seams internally? If they're going to be seen, you might want to consider a French seam or an overlock seam. You wouldn't want them to be left raw. It's those kind of like basic things that you need to think about and write down. And the other thing to include as part of that tech pack is to make sure that you have really clearly allocated particular fabrics to particular parts of the garment. Obviously, if it's a case that you have a garment that's made of mixed fabrications, just to make sure that they're making the right thing in the right fabric, because it's quite a costly mistake and probably more common than you would think for people to send off a a batch of fabrics and in their head they know exactly what they want everything to be made out of but it's not necessarily clear so doing things like clippings of your fabric onto each tech pack for instance can be really helpful for your manufacturer to understand it obviously if you are within traveling distance of your manufacturer that's really really helpful because it means you can go there you can explain the whole pack to them in person so much easier to deal with which is another reason why I'm quite an advocate of domestic production so that you have that connection and that relationship and you can go through these things. So the final main stage that I'm going to talk through today is your production fitting. This is a really important one, this is basically the point where you find out if you've done it right so no pressure but it's also for that exact reason I always build my critical paths for product development from this date backwards. So we work out when we need to have the production fit and then all of the other dates go in the calendar working back from there, not the other way around. 
So to talk through the basis of a production fit and what happens, this is the day where you are pulling together all of your final samples to be looked at on a person, on a fit model who would be as accurate to your standard sample size as possible. And the reason that you'll be doing this is to make sure that each one of those garments is fitting as it should, is finished as it should, that the person wearing it has the range of movement that they require, that it's good enough quality, that it functions technically on the body and basically making sure that that garment and each garment in your collection is ready to go to production. So it could be that from this point there are further final amendments that you need to make either to your pattern or your fabrication or the finishes but this is the stage where you want to get your collection as close to complete as possible. It can also be the point where a lot of brands fall down and as I said before it's all just down to timing really. If you don't have everything ready on that day then you won't get the consistency of fit because you won't have your full collection to look at on the same day on the same body where you can check that everything is working technically across the collection. It's really cohesive and all of your sizing is spot on. So that's something to be really, really aware of and not try to plough forward with a production fit when you don't feel that you have everything in place to do it. Whilst obviously you want to keep that date as solid as possible and not move it, it's beneficial really to push it out a little bit if you've got that contingency, which I'd always say add some contingency into your critical path, especially at this stage, just to make sure that you are doing your due diligence of making sure that you've got everything together and it's working. Because basically this is your chance to look at your collection and decide that it's ready for market. So it's not something that I would necessarily rush. And obviously in an ideal world, Everything that comes out of your production fit will be absolutely perfect and you won't need to do anything. But it could be that there are just those little tweaks that you need to make. And hopefully at this stage, they'll be small enough that you wouldn't need to rectify the samples before you go to shoot. But as I said, contingency is a wonderful thing. So build in as much of that as you can. So that's it really in terms of the different stages that I wanted to talk through today. That's sort of a basic plan of what product development involves and obviously I've mentioned along the way some of the reasons why those stages are really important but in summary ultimately the reason that having a good product development process is so important to a brand is all about confidence. You will have confidence in the quality, you can be confident that they will fit your customers well and that they will be a really good representation of your brand, which is exactly what you need in order to ensure that your brand is successful and continues season after season. And then I just wanted to finish up by mentioning a few other things that I would love for you to consider whilst you're working through your product development journey, which perhaps people have overlooked a bit in the past because it it just hasn't been at the forefront of people's minds. But with everything that's going on in terms of climate change and the huge need for change within our industry in order to make less impact. You know, we're never going to make that impact go away. As long as we're producing clothing, there will be an impact on the world. However, I think there are some things that we can do and that actually we're going to need to do as more regulation comes in around the world that we need to be thinking about during our product development. And those things are 
the durability of your products. So choosing fabrics based on the impact of making them, but also how long they can last for the customer and whether that will give them a good quality garment that can be passed on to other customers and will have a really, really long life cycle. So you basically want to make sure that the impact of making that garment is as small as possible versus the opportunity to wear it, if that makes sense. So if you make a garment that's only gonna last six months, then the impact is huge. But if you have the same impact and that garment can last for 10 years or longer, then obviously it's spread out, people need to buy less. Also try to keep a really close eye on waste and the reduction of waste. So that's both in terms of thinking cleverly about ways that you can cut your patterns or use materials, not only during sampling, but also into production so that you are minimising the waste that is coming out of your production line. But also think about If you're really invested in good product development, then you will minimise waste through that particular process as well. Because if you use a really good pattern cutter and you take some time to work with them and make sure that the patterns and the garments are what you would want in the first place, if you invest a lot of time into your fabric sorting to make sure that you get the right thing, then that means that you will need less samples, there'll be less time spent, less money spent, and also literally less waste of having to go through less rounds of sampling. So it's a really good thing for you and also for the planet in that way. The other things to think about really are how you can help your customer make that garment last longer. So think about ease of repair, think about the finishes you're using in terms of is the garment alterable, is it easy to repair, Are you using finishes that are potentially difficult to take apart or mend? Think about those things as you go along. And the last thing that I'll mention is end-of-life recyclability. And this is something that as time goes on, all brands are going to have to think about because there there already are regulations coming in that will affect whether you're allowed to produce goods that aren't easy to recycle at the end of life and there's a lot of innovation in this area around finding ways to recycle garments but essentially if you have a garment that is lots of different materials mixed materials added together then it's much much harder to recycle those things to pull those things apart and put them into recycling So if you're creating, for instance, a cotton garment, think about whether you can use cotton thread and cotton labels. Those sort of things make a huge difference in terms of how easy it is to recycle that garment at the end of its life. So think about that. And again, think about the way that you're putting garments together in terms of how easy they are to take them back apart again. So that's just a few kind of pointers. It's something that I myself am learning a lot about at the moment and trying to develop my knowledge on so that I can support brands more in that. So no doubt there will be more episodes coming up in the near future that talk about those kind of things in more depth. But it's just good for you to have that on your mind when you're doing your product development and making those small changes each season to improve what you're doing. So I hope that's been really, really helpful. I'd love to know if you're currently involved in product development, any challenges that you might have or any really good pointers you've got, perhaps mistakes you've made in the past that you've found clever ways to overcome. I'd love to know all about that kind of stuff. So do come and find me either on LinkedIn, I'm Beverly SM, or on Instagram. I'll put the link in the show notes so that you know the spelling of that. Please do also share this episode with anybody else that you know in industry that you think it might be helpful for. 
and don't forget to rate and review also if you're enjoying the podcast that would be fantastic it really helps more listeners find me so yeah that's all for now i hope you have an amazing day and i'll catch up with you on another episode soon 